yo, yo, yo. Hey, guys. What up? It's the Keep Your Gin Up Girl again. We're here again for another week. Oh, God. You're energetic. Yeah. <laughs> Even though, like, five, no, 10 minutes ago, she's like, I'm so tired. I know, but I, just, I had, like, a two and a half hour nap, and I woke up and I was, like, feeling crappy. And now, like, you know, I've hit, I've hit that point where I'm, like, awake again. And we can also talk for days. So, yeah. welcome. We're recording another episode. Welcome, welcome. This episode is... I actually thought we'd already done this, to be honest, because we actually yes. guest spoke <clears throat> on someone else's podcast about this topic, mm. but we get asked it constantly. We like, do. Literally weekly, someone will yeah. message me and I'm like, dude, I've done that. And I'm like, no, we have not. Yeah. What's the topic? It is correctional nursing. Bow, bow, bow. Joe birds, Joe birds. People get really shocked when I'll talk about like my experience or they'll be like, oh, so what type of nurse are you? Which is a difficult question because I've done lots of different types of nursing. Mm. So like a recovery nurse, yeah, ward nurse. It's funny, isn't it? Because it's like we have so much experience in other areas that correctional nursing isn't even our specialty. No. Nah. But it's what we get asked about the most. All the time. But it is fascinating. And it is interesting that we got into it because I never, ever thought I would get into correctional nursing. So I got this like email from my agency being like, hey, this job's come up. Because at the time I was in Wagga, I think. Um, and I was looking for another contract and I wanted to keep moving north. Um, from where I was um, and this thing came up and I read the email and I was like nah 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 like I read the email at the first it said correctional nursing I was like hell no it's not something I want to do <laughs> then I kept scrolling down and I saw the pay rates and I was like okay when can I start <laughs> yeah it was some pretty sweet moolah yeah. is that the only so, reason you took it yeah <laughs> legit because it was more north than I was in Wagga and yeah. the money was great that's the only reason the reason yeah. I took it was because I'm a nerd and I love just making my CV look badass. Mm. And that's the only reason I took it because mm. I was just like, oh, I've never done primary healthcare. Yeah. Prison. Like that sounds very interesting. But then obviously mm. the money definitely enticed yeah, me as well. Me. I was like, hmm, yes. But I did two months for the first time I did it. And Same. then I actually came back. Yeah, oh, for yeah, another yeah, four months. Right. Mm. So I've done six months total. Yes. I so we're not total. we're not pros at no. all, but we just want to give you our stories and our views on correctional nursing because it's it's just something that a lot of nurses don't do. Yeah, and I think like as how much we worked there, we almost worked an entire year from the amount that we bloody worked there. Oh, a so lot of many hours. hours. So many hours. Worked us like dogs. I yeah, tell you. they're very short staffed. Um, and I think like working corrections one doesn't draw a lot of people. Um, and two, uh, they're often in the middle of nowhere. So yeah. it, drawing people is very, very hard. So the amount of actual permanent staff that they have was very low. Yeah. Um, so that's why there's a lot of agency contracts around there. So if you are um, looking at doing it, I think it's definitely worth it. Um, we get a lot of questions about whether it's safe and um, all these things that people ask us, um, which we'll go through like kind of our experiences with all of that. But if if you're someone that wants to do something different um, and is happy to kind of work your little tushy off um, <laughs> and kind of doesn't really take much, like kind of everything kind of, you know, is off the skinny your own back then do it. If you are someone who is very precious and doesn't like working hard, don't do it. Yeah, pretty much. You have to do, you have to have a strong personality yes. in a way, but you won't know unless you do it at exactly. the end of the day as well. So give it a crack, especially if it's been on your mind, mm. but like a normal day to day, like you obviously have to drive usually a bit of a distance because you can't exactly live next door to a prison, no. right? Like no one lives next door to a prison, mm. except in Sydney. They have like one right in the middle of Sydney, don't they? There's one near, yeah, I don't think you can live near it, but there definitely is yeah. one somewhere in Sydney, yeah. yeah. Now that I've worked in a prison, I'm more exposed and realised, mm. like, wow, there's actually prisons everywhere. Yeah. So many. So, so many. <laughs> but, like, yes, yeah, so you usually have to trek a little bit, you know, maybe, like, half an hour drive or something, get to work. And the strangest thing that I found is, like, I mean, I don't know if this is every single prison, but we did. We had to have, like, see-through bags. Yeah. Like, plastic see-through bags, right? Yeah. So that everyone can see what is in your bag. Mm-hmm. And... When you're packing your bag, like you're used to having like your wallet mm-hmm. and like your phone and your keys and all that stuff. Yeah. You can't have your phone inside the prison. No. You have to leave it in the car. Yes. And your wallet. You are not allowed no, to not have a wallet money. in a prison. You're not allowed to use money or key cards or anything like that. No. They have your identification, for example, and also you just can't have money because you can trade it. So it's that was a bit of for me to adjust. Yeah. And the fact that we do 10-hour days – um, and by the time you get there, so it ends up almost being 11 hours by the time you get in there, um, get all your stuff sorted and then get out again. Yeah. So you're 
an entire day without your phone. Yeah, which is weird. Which is weird. And it t- definitely takes some adjusting. But I got to this point where actually having my phone was overwhelming to me because I was like, I was so used oh, to not you having had my so phone. so much on there though. When yeah. At the end of the day, you were just like, oh, I you can't You come back with and you've got like 75 emails and you've got all these messages, missed calls. Yeah. And it, it's extremely stressful coming back to your phone. So I used to just not even look at my phone for hours after yeah, I finished work. Yeah, good, good hour or two. Just like, no, I was like, no. It. Like I've had a really, really stressful day. And being on my phone, it, like it created so much more anxiety for me. <laughs> yeah, but like does, that was a weird one. Like for if you're doing correctional nursing, mm. like that's weird. I mean, wearing like and everyone can see in such a bag, man. Like if you got tampons or whatever, exactly. like everyone's gonna know. Like, yeah, but you know, so be it. Um, another thing as well is like so you you go through security. So there was so many things I kept getting caught up on that I didn't mm. realize. So you you know you can't have glass. Um, Anything. a glass. What do you call it? To put your lunch in. You know, like a glass bowl to Container, put your lunch in. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. There was just things I did not realize. Mm. Um, there's a certain drink that I like. I love this certain tea and it's a powder form of the tea. And I can't bring that in because they don't know that that powder inside that bottle is legit that powder. Yeah. But I was like, but I have this every day. Everyone knows I have a sh- like a meal replacement shake for brekkie every you can't morning. take water in? Yeah, you can't take water, no mm. liquids. And I couldn't even take my powder, my meal replacement shake, even if it smelled like vanilla. I mean, yeah. it could be Coke for all they know. They exactly. won't let you bring it in. No. So it really created... Like you had to really think about it. Exactly. And I got pulled aside like a lot of times being like, your wife got this. I'm like, whoa, I didn't yes, even know about yeah. that. Um, and then you get, um, what's it called? Metal detector. Yeah. <laughs> that you was walk, me you trying. through one of those airport thingies, the beepers. Yeah. And then if you get beeped through, which are like, if you're, if anyone woman's wearing an underwire bra, yeah, you, every day. you get beeped. Um, so then they have to wand you down. Yeah. Which is mm. crazy. And then you fingerprint in and like eyeball in your iris you know, yeah. things. And then you go through so many doors because it's a prison. There are just doors after doors. They're heavy, so heavy. Like yeah. if you try and open the door for the person behind you, like I, I had a sore wrist like all yeah. the time. My wrists were always sore. And there's buttons that you press through to get through each door. So there's there's master control and central control and they control who opens each door. So your buzzer and, and at the door, they'll have a visual of who you are, mm-hmm. um, whether they let you in or not. Because you could be an inmate for all they know. So yep. they buzz you in. You press the buzzer. You wait at the door. You wait at the door. You wait at the door. Wait till they see you. They can see you on the camera. And they can talk to you through the thing and be like, have a good day. And they'll let you through the store. And then you got to scan in through the next door. And then you got to go through the, like, it's, it's like so process all day. But it's funny. So we call them like the big brother, like, because yeah. they can see everything. They're like, watch you like big brother house. Yeah. And do. sometimes you walk up to the door and you haven't even pushed it yet and it opens and they're like, have a good day, Jess. And I'm like, that is, is fucking AF. creepy, mate. Mm. But it's like made you feel better that they were watching exactly. you. But also you're like, man, don't like pull out a wedgie right now. Yeah. Because they'll see. Um, and then you have to like, that, you go- <laughs> 100% <laughs> every day. Um, but then you go into like another room and you got to like put on your radio, which I used to call walkie talkie, but it's just a radio. Yeah. And you put it onto your right channel so you can radio through. You have a dress alarm on you all the time, which you will probably set off like 10 times for your shift, mm-hmm. which happened a lot. Um, if you do bend over and like your dress goes, off it goes to master control saying that there's a code black which means you are you know under threat Double, yeah um and they'll locate that dress and send security and come you, to you so quick so quick so you have to radio that you're safe and then someone else has to radio to verify that, that they can see you yeah even it's though crazy. like 90 percent of the ones during the day are false um the dresses yeah. that go off everyone takes every single one very seriously yeah. even though if you're like this isn't real and then you're like you wait a little bit and then you hear the call over being like it's false alarm but then when you don't hear that call over you're like oh shit something's going down yeah and sometimes it takes a while to locate them and people like the officers get really concerned if they can't yeah. find you they're like knocking on doors they're like knocking on the toilet door being like are you in there like we need to know that you're okay you're like i'm trying to pull my pants up and yeah. oh it's me that's done it because i've gone to the toilet with my dress on by accident yeah i've done that before in any way that's not straight yeah it goes off so this is like before you even like enter real this is like before you even start work we're just yeah. going down with the routine right and you get your keys which yeah. you like to enter everywhere that you, you go need and you have keys. to have them um, secured to yourself at all times so you have to have a chain yep. that attached to you so that no one can steal your keys yeah so you got a belt on you've got a chain connected to your belt which connects to the keys so that way inmates can't grab the keys off you because yep. it's connected to you right mm-hmm. so many things you don't think of mm-hmm. like before I started I just didn't even think of these things yeah you can't wear jewelry because obviously you can get ripped out as well um, and there's different types of security so you've got like your regular offices and then you've got they're actually called different things each state I found out mm-hmm. but like emergency response team um, oh, okay. we call them the men in black 
back because they wear different outfits and they have cool equipment. Like, what were they called from where we were? Emergency response team. ERT. Oh, ERT. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Ert. Okay. Ert. Yeah. We never call them Ert. Ert. We call them the men in black. Yeah. And um, sexy, the SWAT team boys, I yeah. used to call them. Um, But there was girls too and they were badass. They were friggin' badass. Yeah. But- they carry like bloody oxygen tanks and shit on their legs and they like run around like – they like, they got everything. They got everything. So basically, they. I always thought that. Okay, so I thought that the gas they used, mm. right? So when there's a riot or something, ERT get involved, right? And they've got a dog. They got attack dogs. We actually lived with the attack dog too, which was mm. cool. Uh, we could not touch it no. or play with it or <laughs> no. be in the same room as it. But we <laughs> lived with it. We either. actually did. Um, but so where was I going? So if there's a riot and all the SWAT team boys and girls would be coming. Mm. They, I thought the tear gas that they threw in, I thought that was like sleepy gas. Like I oh. thought, I think I've been watching too much like Mission Impossible yeah. or something like that. And I thought that they would they throw it in the right and then everyone would just go to sleep. Oh, that'd be actually smart. Yeah, they should actually yeah, start doing great. this. So I thought that is what it was. So I thought mm. it was sleepy gas. Turns out, no, it's tear fucking gas that hurts your eyeballs. Burns. Pepper spray. Yeah, so like one time they were doing a big test outside and I was actually oh, leaving. I remember that. I was leaving to go home and I walked through the tear gas oh, and no. I basically, I only got the back end of it. Even being like so far away, it still wafts into my eyeballs. eyeballs. My tongue was tingling. It went, it goes down your throat. It feels like everything is burning. And to it's be horrible. honest, those officers at night in training were getting it into their face. Mm. Like that's brutal training. Brutal, brutal training. Yeah. But like, yeah, so they've got all this cool equipment. And what else do they have? They got, they got the a pattern they've got like yeah the taser or something they've got a gun oh they got all all this cool shit Mm. anyway so like there's all these different people so like when you're in the key room like you're trying to put on your radio and all this and it's just chaotic and you all go in and so the inmates are actually like still locked up so they're locked up between like what 8 30 in the morning ish 8 8 30 it yeah, changes. So 5 p.m. that night, like 5 p.m. the night before yeah. to 8.30 the following morning. Or 8, yeah, so locked into their morning. cell. So everyone's starting work, but there's no threat of like inmates because they're all locked into their cell. Yes, right? they only get what eight hours and eight hours out of their cells a day because yeah. at eight to five, they get let out. Yeah. yeah. So nursing staff, we like come in, we all chat, mm. we like figure out what area we're going into. Um, and then we get to our section of the prison. We, we were at a big, really big Very prison. large, yeah. It was mainly male, but there was a little tiny female section. Mm. But um, there was it was so big that it was in like different like categories or like neighborhoods is what we yeah. called it. And so you would be assigned to your little area and um, all the inmates would still be locked up and we would get medication ready because that was kind of our priority was like, medication yes. round you know a lot of inmates are medicated for mental health reasons a lot of antidepressants a lot of chronic antipsychotics pain. yep chronic pain mm. a lot of the same meds so yes. it's really important for the nursing staff to do medication round and we obviously as nurses we have to make sure that we're giving the medication to the right patient so we've got to do yeah. identification checks obviously inmates will try and trick you to get other people's meds so you had yes. to kind of be on the yeah, ball. they have to come with their identification card. They have to tell you who they are, what their number is, and what their date of birth is, and it has to all match. Yeah. Um, and then you have to match that to the packets, but the packets are all individually packaged where we were. So they all had self-identifiers on the packets, and you had to identify them all of that before doing it. Yeah. Um, and then so you do it through a little glass window, which has a little slit, or maybe I don't know what, say five to ten centimeters wide. Yeah. Um, which had a slit in it. You're on the inside of the, you're in a locked room by yourself. You lock yourself into the room yeah. Um, so that no one can come in. And then there's an officer on the other side of the glass that are checking the inmates. Uh, so before they even get into the, to the room, there's an, there's an officer checking them before they come in, making sure that they don't carry anything on them, like drugs, weapons, whatever. They check yeah. them before they, they come into the room. They even get down as well. Yeah. And then they get checked Um, after they have the medications, they check their mouth and they check uh, that they have actually swallowed it and then they leave. Yeah. So, so we're yeah. very safe in that very room safe. giving medication. Like we are totally safe. Mm. They can put their arms through that, through that little window, but they can't reach very far. Also, like, the officers are right there. Yeah, they're right there. And if they do do that, there is a big giant bloody, I don't know what you call it, like a slat, like a big metal slate thing oh, that comes down and you down. just bring it down and yeah. you can close I've it. I've done that. We've, we have all done that before, yeah. like when they kick off and they're being really bad yeah. and you just close up and you go, I'm not doing medication right now. Mm. You can just wait five minutes until you guys de-escalate. Yeah. So there's definitely times where like things do get a little bit riled up where patients 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 inmates don't like the meds that you're giving them aren't the ones they want or they've changed their doses and they're not happy with them or whatever it might be and they can go off at you um so there are times that you do need to have a thick skin because they're having got you um 
at times pretty brutally, yeah. but you just have to stand your ground and be super solid and tell the officers, please escort this man out right now or please escort this woman out right now. They're being inappropriate. I don't want them in my bedroom. Yeah. And you, you got to be out. very patient. If you're, yeah. if you're someone that snaps back really quick, like yeah, it's not a good, you, it's option. not a good area for no. you because it, with those types of personalities it's like anybody like it's like those people that you just can't argue with them yeah like you cannot like they will always be right no matter what and that's just unfortunately their kind of mentality yeah but also like they are certain personalities that that obviously a lot of people that have been in that are in jail have gone through a lot of traumas and things and a lot of things that they like they experience are not nice things that they experience so they they do get kind of snappy in general in their life but they do actually a lot of them feel quite remorseful afterwards and they will yeah. like they will come and apologize to you later yeah, I think They're 90% like, have always apologized yeah. to me yeah they just they just don't know how to handle their emotions because they've been through so much shit in their lives they don't really yeah. know obviously they're in there because they don't know how to live as hum- normal adults so they don't know how to to talk as normal adults or react to certain things as normal adults yeah. so you have to kind of be patient and know like the stuff that they've been through and it's like just something that they're going through in that moment but it doesn't mean that they're in, complete asshole or come and apologize yeah. to you later so you gotta you gotta be patient yeah. you know and you can't snap back you just yeah. gotta have a nice tone and you'd be like please don't speak to me like that i understand you're stressed you know but this is what the doctor has charted you yeah. and that is what i'm giving you mm. and then if they're like blah 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 you know you just got to be patient yeah honestly. so that's like a regular morning round right that'll last yeah. i don't know could be between like 30 40 minutes you Potentially really- some of them are two hours. Oh, yeah. Some, some of them are bigger neighbors. Some, 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 some. Yeah. But then you finish all that, right? And that's like your first task of the day. You've still got like another like nine hours to go, right? Mm. So you go back up. And what your job is then for your like neighborhood is to figure out like you run clinics. So you figure out, okay, so who in this neighborhood is a diabetic? Who needs to see the doctor? Who needs to see the dentist? Who <laughs> needs blood tests? Yeah. Who needs fasting blood tests because then they can't eat before you got to do it? Who needs wound reviews? Mm. They all have some funky, funky wounds you got to look yeah. at. Um, and you kind of do that. You try and do that in the neighborhood versus having to move people around the prison constantly to the health yeah, area, like, like the health hub. hub. Yeah. You don't really want to keep bringing people to the health hub because, like, you know, it's yeah. a lot of traffic. It's a lot of know? movement. They have to close off the other neighborhoods to move certain neighborhoods. Um, yeah. So they have to kind of do transport holds and things on certain areas so that's what big brother does yeah so they control who moves and who doesn't at the same time because you don't want inmates from different neighborhoods moving at the same time because they are not allowed to interact with each other yes and like obviously it's never a typical day so it's hard to say what is a normal day for you um we always have like code blue nurses because as you can imagine prisons are uh, notorious for having lots of fights Mm. and notorious for weapons and just you know things like that so when there is say a code black a serious code black then we always usually have to be followed by a code blue because someone's either had their head smashed in a lot of fights a lot of a lot of fights that like need like some care some of them uh, self-harming events and yeah. some of them actually are, a lot of them are self-harming events yeah, like there's a, there's a lot, lot and they're not actually trying to yet yeah, commit suicide i mean we definitely had there definitely some yeah in the short time we were there we mm. definitely had a lot of um scary cases but and you have to be also prepared for that because if they're very high risk for suicide risk like you you you're gonna see some stuff and it is yeah very confronting um watching people do that mm. and they're doing it actively in front of you but you just have to try and de-escalate as best you can but like exactly. yeah a lot of self-harming just a lot of yeah a lot of fights so you're just responding to a lot of like you know sometimes just mini things sometimes big yeah. things um what else do we do so yeah then so basically all of that taxpayer money goes to like all the appointments that they book in <laughs> they can see anyone and everyone that they want to see so yeah. they got yeah like dentist said, dentist podiatrist um psychologist um what else they got, they got podiatry physio physio they got everything the that whole you could possibly want. i mean Doctors. Not, but not every prison has this like we, we were quite lucky like and i kept I know, you know i would explain do, yeah. that no they don't i was oh, okay. i've been asking around like they would have a doctor say maybe yeah. they're three days a week but we had them every day yeah and you know which sometimes they only had the dentist once a month we had it once a week so we yeah, actually there was a lot lucky. of people there as well yeah um so yeah you're kind of you're kind of like an admin person in a sense as well for the middle of the day. You're booking a lot of appointments um, and they're very archaic uh, systems where you're booking. Yes. So it's a lot of clicking and it takes a lot of hours to do that. Yep. Um, if you're working in segregation, um, which is everyone's locked in all hours of the day except one hour, yep. um, you have to do welfare checks on everybody to make sure everyone's okay. And then you have to document all of those welfare checks. So that is up to 20 inmates that you have to um, mm, do paperwork on. 
Um, and then you also have COVID inmates, not necessarily COVID positive inmates, but everyone who comes in that's fresh off the street has to go into COVID quarantine for two weeks. So you're doing their temperatures every day and that can be up to potentially like 20 to 30 or more yeah, people depends. that are in COVID quarantine at that time. So you have to do all that paperwork too. And, and book all their appointments because they can't get medications because they're, yeah. they're fresh to the prison. So you need to get them. So there's just a too. lot of admin stuff that you have to, yeah. you have to do, a lot of paperwork. Um, and then basically that takes up your entire middle of the day doing those things as well as seeing your patients, doing monitoring that and you need to do. And catching up on stuff too. Like yeah. usually the morning round when you're doing other yes. beds, there's heaps of things you got to follow up. Heaps of And then before you know up. it, like then you've got to eat and you're like, crap, I need to eat now. Yeah. And then you've got an afternoon medication round, which you've got to do as well, yes. which takes a lot. Um, And that can take oh, up to two hours. It just really depends. Yeah. The evening round is always longer because they have all their kind of like sleeping tablets, um, all of their like antipsychotic meds that um, they need to have at nighttime. So that is always a big round. It takes yeah. ages. And then also in the afternoon, which is... Oh, it was so hard to try and deal with all this, but yes. then we had all the new admissions. So the the big trucks would arrive to the prison with the new people mm. that were coming into prison and they would have to get processed. So like they would take a while, they do their identification, they give them their inmate body scans. Yes, they see body scan them, uh, make sure they don't have drugs up their bum, which they mm, usually do. do. And then um, we as nurses do like a health assessment interview, but with every single inmate that comes into the prison. And we yes. talk about their medical history, surgical history, mental health history, drug history we ask yeah, them really personal questions history, you know everything. intravenous drug use because then we've got to think with ourselves you know if they're at risk for this i need to get this certain person involved with yes. their care they've got mental health history i've got to book them for this appointment mm-hmm. i've got to get them a blood test for hep c i've got to do this so there's a lot of things yeah. you're trying to book all these appointments finish your paperwork and then you'll be like code blue code blue and you've yeah. got to you just forever are run running around there's a yeah. lot to do and there's a lot of people that come in that are on that unfortunately come in after hours and sometimes most of the time the pharmacist will stay back but some of these people do miss out their meds that evening because they're transferred without meds and then some of them are on methadone and things that you need to get sorted so if someone comes in like a friday evening unfortunately that pharmacist we only had one pharmacist and he was run off his feet because you get people in on friday evenings saturday yeah. evenings and they needed their methadone dose for the following morning so he yeah. was always so causes in. a lot of tension obviously yeah. with the admission because yeah. they're so focused on that and you're like i'm trying to sort that and out. you didn't know they were methadone until they come because you're going through their files and then you find their drug chart and you're like oh my god this is so stressful because if they don't get their methadone they're not happy yeah. chappies. Another thing as well, when they are new admissions, a lot of them are coming off a binge, like yes. say alcohol or drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very high risk for seizures. Like if you're someone who has a liter of vodka a day to then going to cold Turkey, um, then we have to make that medical decision, whether we keep them. So the actual prison had like so many sections. So you have like in our health section, we had um, cells there so that they're getting fully monitored by nursing staff and and officers overnight mm. if they're like medically unwell if they've been in a fight or something and then you've got like all the different neighborhoods as well and then you've got like another one on the other section for like new inmates and you've yeah. got to sit there as a nurse and be like okay can they go to the regular neighborhood do they have to be watched tonight with the camera and you yeah. just got it so there's also a lot you have to remember that they need of. meds like those other people that are up in yeah. the hubs because they can get forgotten about and you're like, oh, oh my God, I still have other so people, people I need to look after. So many forget about them. There's people everywhere. Oh, um, but that's a lot of our code blue as well. Seizures, yeah. like seizure exactly. activity. It's like, oh And man. the thing is, is you as the nurse are doing their triage basically as they're coming in. You're assessing them for that uh, a drug and alcohol overdose, um, sorry, withdrawal. They might not be inactive withdrawal, but you can tell that they're intoxicated and they're going to go through withdrawal. So you have to get an accurate history of what they usually take, how much they usually take. And you as your nursing judgment need to decide whether that person is at risk and needs to be watched or they're not at risk and they can go down to the hubs. Mm. And a lot of the time, and I don't want to say this in a negative or bad way, but a lot of the time the officers will attempt to persuade you in a certain way um, so that they don't have to be medically watched because it does take extra staff for them to be medically watched. But if you feel really, really unsafe with that patient going down, with that inmate going down to that neighbourhood and you're very worried that they're going to go into active withdrawal or they're going to self-harm or they're going to do anything like that, you have to stand by your ground and say, I'm not comfortable with this person going down. I want them a medical overnight. They need to be examined and so they can be seen straight away in the morning by a doctor because I don't feel comfortable with them going down because if they go down and have a seizure and I've written on their chart that everything's fine, yeah, then you're fucked. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like, we don't want you to get scared of no, the no, corrections, but you've you got to use your brain. Yeah, you have to trust your nursing judgment and yeah. your critical It's not thinking. a job where you can just, like, go get fucked up the night before no. and just roll into work and be like, ah, yeah, whatever. Like, you have to be on the game, yeah. like, on the ball, 
constantly exactly yeah energize and look after yourself and just have a clear mind because there's a lot there's a lot going on it's not an easy job and i've worked i've worked in icu for five years and jess has worked in emergency and recovery and all over and this working corrections i don't want to deter anyone but it is the hardest job i've ever done yeah but you look back and we we actually miss it the way like we're like yeah and i the funny thing is is that people say oh my god how do you do that like how do you deal with inmates and how do you deal with all this stuff and i actually tell them i'm like the inmates are actually the last, the least of my concerns yeah. while I'm there. Like we've like barely even whinged about the inmates. No, they're, they're like because fine. they're actually most of the time they're hilarious. You do develop a bond with them, not in a not in a like crossing the line way, but you're there with them every day. They get to know you, you get to know them, not on a personal level, but you're still there ones, for them, and they've been through a lot of shit. And you have to be empathetic towards that, and you have to kind of they they also take on board what you say. They'll take on yeah. advice that you tell them. If you speak to them really like, and kind of be like, hey, what are you doing? Like, yeah. get they your appreciate life they kindness. Appreciate it. They yeah. appreciate kindness, yeah. honestly, because they haven't I mean, had it a lot. they're in prison and they're just, people just treat them like shit. They really, they do. Yeah. And if you just treat, like everyone, I feel like every person, you should just treat them with kindness. Exactly. Unless someone is actively like really horrible to you. Like just exactly. And kindness. that's why knowing about their crimes and why they're in there isn't a priority for us. No. Because- um, especially for us, it doesn't change my perspective necessarily, but there is definitely some nurses that we've experienced out there that take those crimes personally yes. and treat them differently. And that is yeah. someone who should not be working in jail. And if you know jail, you're like that, then don't. You should not work there day. because everyone, regardless of whether in jail or out of jail, you could see them in a normal hospital. You don't know their background. You don't know what they've done. They might've yeah. done something really horrible to someone else, but you're not going to judge them or treat them differently. Um, the same way you're not going to treat any any patient differently. You're going to treat them all the same. You're going to treat your inmates the same. So you, I mean, there's definitely some people that we know things about because people do talk in jails. Yeah, and we looked after some high profile people too, and there were some high profile really ones which everyone knew about. Yeah, um, interesting. But yeah, you just have to be super like accepting of kind of who who they are and where they are. And they're in jail. They're already being punished for what they're done. Yeah. They've done. There's no need for you to punish them as well. And you've got a duty of care as a nurse. Well, to do your yeah. role. Um, why don't we talk about some funny shit? That yeah, happened? like some funny, funny shit. Obviously, I mean, everything's not confidential. Funny. <laughs> not all of it's funny. Um, but just to like you know, it's just to show you like we had such a small amount of time there, but like we have stories for days, mate, exactly for days. And I love telling these stories. People's jaws just like drop to the floor. I know, but is it also like if I had heard that from someone else, mine would also drop. Drop. The fact that we went through that is like it still baffles me to this it's day. So, what was your nickname in the prison? So uh, I was actually uh, working one day and um I can't remember what what like how it kind of started but one of the inmates was like ask my name and I said oh yeah Zana and then um he came up to me and said he said something the next day he was like oh Zana something something and I thought he'd said Xanax and so I was like did you just call me Xanax and he's like nah and he's like oh that's a great name he's like I'm gonna call you Xanax from now on so this he's like this it was this little Asian guy who was like muscly ass and he was like tats <laughs> everywhere every time I walked down he's like Xanax Everyone in the jail was calling me Xanax. It was just such a funny name. As soon as I heard it, I was like, far out. That's so funny that you get called that. It's nice because like you can kind of have those banders and laughs with them and it like makes them feel feel more comfortable too because they like, even though they don't know anything about you, they like, it's more of a personal interaction. Yeah. Um, And so I'd be like walking through the yard with like obviously escorted by other um, officers and he'd come up and be like, Xanax. And like, yeah. just like talking to me as I'm walking to go see someone, I was through the gate. Yeah, yeah, it was funny I know. Then I started calling Xanax. Yeah, we spread that yeah. through the prison. Good. Times. It's hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. Make some other funny stories. Oh, there's, oh, so there's some pretty messed up ones, like um, some <gasps> traumatic things that oh. have happened. No, I'll say I'll say more funny ones before the trauma. Okay, you go, go, you funny. <gasps> Pooh man. Oh yes. Uh, the and I experienced. One. I experienced two different Pooh mans. Like oh, you God. experienced one. I experienced one mm. the time before. Yeah. This guy, I don't know what the was wrong with him but he just kept shitting and smearing like perfectly formed words on the wall like it was so impressive how good his handwriting was but he kept doing it and he got to the stage where every single day they had to hire these bio what's it called like biohazard cleaners yeah and they had to move him and because it wasn't a nursing like job this was a security like officer job so they had to wear these like hazmat suits right and they had to handcuff him and take Mm. him from one section to a different section to make him shower so then they could biohazard clean the other room right but then he would shit in the new room oh my god and perfectly he he wrote on the wall one time you have no toilet paper and it was so perfect his writing was his own feces it was just revolting it like was how does so he have that much shit up there well that's what we couldn't figure out and then they actually end up asking like can you they were serious they're like could you please like butt plug this guy and i was just like 
he, like it's good that he actually is shitting every day. Yeah. Most of the time, nurses are trying to make their patients shit. Exactly. So like, I can't really stop can't this. Stop I was it. like, stop giving a wheat fix or something, mate. Like, come on. I don't know. Wow. He was so funny. He ended up going to like a mental health prison, but like. It was just so fucking funny because nurses are always the ones that have to deal with the poo. Yeah, but we didn't. That's another thing that we didn't we discuss didn't. is that we actually didn't have to deal with poo and we didn't have to make any cups of tea or coffee. The officers actually made tea and so coffee for the, the patients. Yeah. It's, Reversal, so, man. it's so weird. Reversal. Yeah. But this happened. And then there was another poo guy, like when I was working with Zana and I was like, I've had this, but I was working night shift once and I was like making a sneaky little toaster sandwich and I was like, mm, little snackaroo. And the toasty was in a different section. So I went there and as I was making this toasty, I was like, my god i can smell like you can tell when you can smell human oh, yeah. shit like there's like shit and then there's human shit and it's mm. just like oh and i was like what the hell and i walked up to the area you know the one with the double doors mm. and i looked and i could see like all this brown shit smeared over the window so that no one could see inside his room and i was like whoa oh so i brought the toasty back in and i was like i actually can't eat this toasty like i i, I actually still have the poo smell in my nostrils wow. and i think i gave it to an officer and he ate it and he was like oh it tastes fine to me and i was like well it definitely has poo like little Particles. I don't know particles in that. <laughs> I swear to God, I was like, "You enjoy that toasty, mate." Wow. So that's a funny story of, yeah. the, of 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 the prison that I really enjoy. Oh, there's a funny, like I guess a funny like reason why he was in there. So like when I first was doing the submission for this guy, he was telling me why he kind of got into jail <laughs> in the first exactly. place. Um, and he basically was like, "Oh yeah, like I mean, it, it legitimately like it's it's pretty um." like fair I guess in a way when you look when you listen to the story so his brother-in-law or some sort of cousin or whatever it was had actually sexually assaulted his niece um and he found out about it and decided to go and confront his brother-in-law or or whatever he is about him sexually assaulting the niece and they got into this big fight about it and um uh they were like obviously fighting and in this farm area or wherever oh yeah was. i was gonna say is this the is this the farm story? yeah yeah and um he's like oh yeah and then he just like fell onto a pitchfork <laughs> and i was like okay right oh he just fell onto it it's like yeah 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 then he like got up and started fighting again and then he fell onto it again <laughs> i was like oh did he yeah he just fell onto the same pitchfork and then pulled his body multiple out times. Of it. <laughs> pretty sure that's not what happened but oh, um he out. actually ended up getting out like not that long after so they obviously yeah it creeps me out when they get out so quick eh? but at the same like, time mm-hmm. That guy, if he did actually molest that niece, he deserves to fall on a pitchfork. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> hands down, mate. Just, oh, yeah. I just remembered. What was your other nicknames? I don't know. What were my other nicknames? Remember? No. Nurse Ratchet. Oh my god, my favorite guy ever. <laughs> so there's this guy. Hey, Nurse Ratchet. There's this guy um in segregation, and he was hilarious. Like I was, all, I was kind of the segro girl. I was like always sent there. And I he, was in the protection unit constantly. Yeah. He um he just like got to know me, obviously. And he would either call me Nurse Ratchet or Nurse Pilbury. And every time <laughs> I'd come down, like I didn't even have to say a single word. I'd walk through the door, the front door, and he'd be like, Nurse Ratchet, Nurse Ratchet, that's you. Come over here. Come over here. Oh, he was like, Nurse Pilbury, Nurse Pilbury. And he even asked me, because he was getting out, he even asked me, like, oh, so you got a boyfriend? And I was like, no, I don't have a boyfriend. And he's like, oh, do you reckon, do you, like, do you reckon I'll come live with you when I get out? And I was like, uh, I don't think so, mate. I don't think that's going to happen. And he was like, oh. And then he'd he'd fake his leg injury. I'd see him on the cameras because I've got cameras. I'd see him dancing in his room all over the place. Mentally and unstable then, for sure. I'm like, Nurse Ratchet, Nurse, Nurse Ratchet, Nurse Pillory, come over here. And he'd open this little window, which like has glass so you can't, like he can't come through. But he opened this little window that has glass through it so you can see them. And then all of a sudden he's like dragging his leg behind <laughs> him. And he's like, Oh, I've got so much pain, Miss, and he's in Panadol. He's in Panadol and like dragging his leg. I'm like, mate, I just saw you dancing in here. Oh. And he's like, oh, you got me, Nurse Boobie. He was so funny. <laughs> when I dealt with him, he just used to drive me crazy. He would be like, I need to use a pen. I need to use a pen. I need to write stuff down. And then I would, would be like, trying to figure out if I can give him a pen. And they're like, do not give him yeah. a pen. And I was like, okay, okay, I won't give him a pen. It was bloody hilarious. <laughs> he was a crack up, wasn't he? He also told me he masturbated one night. And I was like, sweet, you're going to keep that to yourself next time, mate. I don't really need to hear about that. Oh, yeah. So if you do work in corrections, you will see on There's the cameras. There's a lot of sexual a lot of, <laughs> lot, of, lot of doodles out. And a lot of females as well filling themselves up. Actually, and... the females are so much worse. Disgusting. When they kind of get psychotic, they just like masturbate all the constantly. Time. All the time. Constantly. But, you know, I did a shift in ED recently mm. um, and she was using her vibrator behind the curtain. Wow. Just recently. She brought it to hospital. She brought it to hospital it and we, we said to her, could you stop doing that? And she's like, it helps my pain. And I was like, you're in a hospital, mate. And then I ended up discharging her and there's her fucking dildo, like vibrator, like sitting on top of a handbag. And it wow. got to the point where in the notes, I was like, 
patient um, was told multiple times to, to stop, stop masturbating. masturbating. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Anyway, like a dildo, like a full on dildo. Yeah, I was here in Brisbane. Like not as a no, like a little clitoral stimulator, oh, okay. but with a little inside bit. Oh yeah, 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 one of those ones. Wow. Yeah, she got good wow. taste, but <laughs> she's got <laughs> good taste. <laughs> She was um yeah. Anyway, back to the prison. Yeah, yeah, girls do it all the time, but they can't they bring do. those toys in, so they yeah they just Ugh. get very creative. Yeah, anyway, we now yeah. okay. So we told us some funny ones. Yeah. Do you have any other funny ones at the top of your head? Oh, not that I can think. There's of. so I mean, there's, there's so, so many. fucking many, but some really intense ones, like really intense. Okay. Yeah. There was this guy who I don't know. He got angry about something, right? And he was in his cell, and he was self harming. Okay. Mm. And they get razors because so they're allowed to shave their beards. So he had a razor, and he was self harming. And so I got called as a nurse to come and help, right? But we had all the special security there as well, and he had rubbed like blood all over the windows. He couldn't see inside there, and I was like, "Fucking hell!" Anyway, because of his safety, he's now compromised because he mm. kept doing it. We couldn't visualize him. They had to use the tear gas through the hatch and go in there and and forcefully restrain him um, and take him to segregation to put him in a cell by himself for his own safety because this guy's obviously very very high mm. risk of, of killing himself, right? Yeah. So they did all that. It was quite a dramatic scene. Finally get him into segregation. You kind of, because you don't know where the blades are, he has to get naked and they have to give him different clothes. And so he's making this big scene. The poor staff, like they've tried so hard. They come out finally. They're dripping with sweat, right? Mm. And I'm watching the camera. And as soon as they got out of the room, right, and gotten the blade off him and it got him into fresh clothes and exited out safely because he was a very, very dangerous guy. Mm. The guy bends over, pulls out a <laughs> blade out of his asshole <laughs> and then slices his body again like, and just starts oh doing the God. whole shabam all over again going, you can't get me now. I was cutting and himself. And with the ERT like, fuck, we're, gonna start, we're so sweaty. We can't. I couldn't even break it to them. Like they came out and they were like, you know, well done, mate. Like that was really hard. Well done. They were like, you know, you know, telling each other how good of a job they did. And I said, hey, guys, he just pulled another blade out of his asshole. And they were like, oh, for fuck's sake. And I was just like, These poor guys, man. Do you know, he ended up having six blades up his asshole. Jesus. It was just, you know, and he did it like numerous times. Like, yeah. you, you know, the one yeah, we've yeah, talked yeah. about this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was creepy. Anyway, he just constantly, and I ended up talking to him about it one time, and I was like, seriously, how many? He goes, I have three up there all the time. I was like, mm. why all the time? He was like, you just never know in prison when you're going to need a blade. He's like, i got to protect myself. And I was like, but why do you cut yourself? I go, you have feces all over that blade, and then you're slicing your skin up. I'm like, like, Isn't that I'm like you are disgusting. And he was like, He's nah. the same one who is he the same one who had that very close to death um self-harm experience like no, multiple times after oh, no but guy. that one but that yeah. one kept hiding blades in his foreskin well. he used to put it in his foreskin and he had a pocket in his arm didn't he he had like a muscle pocket where he'd hide things in his mouth and so his mouth. he used yeah. to put it like he used to put blades in his gum in his mouth he had like a pocket so in there. you couldn't see it but then yeah, he just kept he just kept doing it yeah yeah so, so oh, messed up. i've got a funny other story it's not actually from this jail but it is someone who wasn't inmate in my icu oh yeah so he um used to, this is like another thing of like putting things in pockets so this guy he basically would put things in his ball sack <laughs> <laughs> I was having a sip of wine when she said that. I was like, she almost spat out red wine everywhere. I remember this story. So, yeah, he used to, like, cut open his ball sack. He used to put, like, oh. dead flies in there and razor blades. And he cut it open so many times and it was so dangly that they ended up, he, his nickname in the jail was Grandfather Clock because his, his, his balls were just ding-dong around. And they used to call it his prison bag. Fucked oh <laughs> up. Oh I don't know. I don't have a ball sack, but that doesn't sound fun. Oh, Disgusting. Um, but anyway, going back to that guy who had the pocket in his mouth in jail, um, he was actually a really young guy. And like, this is another, like, kind of the traumatic background to him. But he was like, what was he like, mid 20s? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, he actually had a child at 11 yeah. with a 40 year old because his dad used to prostitute him out as a child. Yeah. And so he had, a he had a child at 11 with this older woman. And by the time he was 16, I think he had like seven or eight children. Yeah. It's pretty awful. Like, so like there's like, a reason. And you feel like for that. him, like it was very difficult to care for. Yes. But like 
some of these people, like, they, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to process the trauma that they've had. And this is the only way that they know. And look how much trauma. Like, that's fucking trauma. No, like, just a surprise that he's there. alive. Like, yeah. no wonder I would not be alive if that had happened to me. Like, no, no way well, would I get through that. Well, that's why he keeps getting the blades, you know? That's the thing. They think that all these people in jail are, like, um, oh, I don't know what they call, like, deviants and doing all this horrible shit and whatnot. Yeah, no. But, like, there's a lot of people who've gone through the exact same stuff and they have ended up just ending their lives because yeah. – they can't even get to that point. So the fact that these people are even in jail alive is crazy because yeah. the amount that they've been through is and that's why so intense. They, they somehow they, they like the routine of prison. Yeah. And they get really cared for. They get the help. They can get qualifications in prison. Yeah, and exactly. when they get released, they get these triggers. And I don't know. Like yeah, I, it's I'm, very I'm sad. still learning about what the release programs and stuff like, but mm. there's still a lot of work to go around it. But yeah, it's very, very sad. Some of the reasons that they're in there. So you, once you kind of hear those, you kind of do understand a little bit why they're like that too. Yeah. But mm. like, I mean, do you have any other quick stories just on the top? Oh, there was like a it? giant fire one one day. Fire. Yeah. So this guy who was in segregation, which is the worst place was to start a fire. I was that? And then I messaged you. Yeah. But I also had another one there as well. Yeah, so it was actually did. two fires in the period of time that we were there. Um, One, the first one was that he stuck something into the electrical socket Um, the and then that lit on fire. Um, and the other time he lit his mattress on fire somehow. I don't even know yeah, how he did it. Yeah, mine was a mattress. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But in they so- like smoking tea bags for some reason. Yeah. Like they smoke things and they smoke like anything. Just leaves, yeah, in general. Yeah. yeah. So this guy lit his mattress on fire. Um, and because everyone's in segregation, they're all locked up, like individual cells. And they're small. Yeah. Like there's no the windows. size of your toilet, probably. Like those rooms, they're yeah. small as. Um, and so like when those mattresses go up, they go up quick. Yeah. And the smoke in there is it just fills and there's not that much ventilation in between. Yeah, because you've got like a window but with bars. So you don't like there's no like you can't open your there's window. There's no ventilation, for air, yeah. For example. Um, there's like a tiny window with yeah. like barely anything. So that that smoke gets them very, very quick and yeah. it's a very small confined room. It's fucked. And a small building. So when they actually have a fire, like that smoke inhalation starts very quick. Oh yeah. So, so I was working, I was working yeah, that night. Yeah. And literally the radio, they were like code red, code red. And then, so I listened to it and I thought, oh, I wonder if he's serious. Because my job as a nurse to like grab oxygen mm. tanks, like, grab masks and grab my emergency bag, right? So I went to grab it all, not ta- not taking it very seriously. And then all of a sudden the radio, they're like, flames, present, flames, present. And everyone was like, shit. So we're like yeah. racing down there mm. and you could fucking see. You could see the, the fire smoke. and the smoke coming out the top. It was so scary. Because so I traumatic. was like, oh my God, all the inmates like, were we don't there. know how to deal with fires. Like, we're not trained to do this. I know. We re- and we realized after talking yeah. about it, we're like, we haven't done any fire training. But, um, you know, running there and then um, the officers, I could see them all going in, right? And as soon as I opened that first door, they went in and it's like all the smoke was in there. And as soon as the very first officer wearing black walked in, I couldn't see him anymore. They're all gone. Oh my God. I could not see them. And I That's was so, so worried scary. because these are your colleagues that you see every single day. So yeah, they I was actually, walk back out. I was fucking worried for them. And then they, they brought out the um, inmate who was unconscious. And I was protecting his airway when he came out. I had great help. Everyone was amazing. Yeah. But the worst part is we had to get him back to medical once he was a bit more conscious because I needed to look after him. And I had to put him on the, we had like little buggy things. What do you call them? Those little golf golf paddy things. Right. And so I was, I had him in one of the seats and I was behind bent over holding his airway, doing like full airway support. And there was like 10 of us on this bloody buggy trying to get to medical and my butt is sticking out in the air. All the inmates and all the other sections of the prison can see out their window, right? So they're watching this big commotion. They're half of them are like whistling, like because I've got my butt out. Then the other ones are screaming at me going, get the fuck off him, bitch. Black lives matter. Thinking that I was yeah. harming him. Like they were thinking that I was like choking him or something because yeah. they couldn't understand that I was protecting his airway and I was like, may, and that's very confronting. Mm. But th- the worst part is, is like Zana was working night shift that night. And I was like thinking, fuck, cause there was so many officers that got, um, yeah, there, was smoke. Staff. there was like all the, um, all the officers had gotten smoke inhalation. I definitely remember my asthma set off so yeah. bad. I was coughing so bad by the end of the night. Um, and the inmates had to get assessed. So I had to like go onto Facebook at work, like on the computer and Facebook her. And I was just like, I need you to get into work ASAP. There's been a fire. I was like, I need your I help. Like, I'm on my way. So she like comes to work to help out. We had to do like, I don't know, like 20 plus officers. Like- I was at work for I think it was 14 hours that day. Remember we did like 16. a 16. Remember we did a four, like a 4 p.m. Yeah. To, to 7 a.m. shift. Yes. That was fucked up. I don't know why. I only just that. come off a night shift the night before too. Yeah, I remember. 
Oh, why do we do that? Ugh. Um, anyway, that yeah. was intense, that fire. Oh, my golly goodness. And then I was supposed to go to a goodbye party that night. And I still went and I got dressed and I went to the pub and they were like, sorry, it's lockout. And I was like, I smell like smoke. All I want to do is say goodbye to my friend. Mm. But it's okay. Yeah. You know, I was like thinking to this officer, oh, this, sorry, bartendery. What they called? Fucking security Pretty officers gun. at the bar. Yeah. I was like. You have no idea what I've been through, man. Yeah. I just want a bloody beer. I'm saving civilization. <laughs> I was like, I just want a bloody beer, man. But anyway, that, that same guy was actually the one who did the other fire too. Just thinking of that oh, now. What a butthead. What a butt anyway, head. we yeah. hope you find this uh, enjoyable. We just thought we'd finally do a correction one ourselves. As yes. I said, we've guest spoken at other people's podcasts, but mm. we haven't actually done one ourselves. Yeah, so if you have any questions, um, please send them through. If you are thinking about doing a correction uh, contract. Yeah, we, we never did a spill the tea. We, we do it oh, every yeah. single episode. So, yeah. So, my spill the tea for this week, um, it actually happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, and just from our uh, other podcast episode about cheating, it kind of made me think about um, this spill the tea that I or this experience that I had at this ICU that I was at uh, the other week. Um, and so, this woman that I was looking after, she'd had a massive overdose. She was, like, in her 40s. She had three kids um, and she had a massive overdose because she had discovered that her partner, like, she found her partner sleeping with someone else. Um, and she kind of went off the rails. She was already quite mentally unstable and um, spontaneously and kind of, yeah, rapidly t- took this overdose. She kind of didn't really think about it and she did it. Um, she obviously survived and um, she was very down and kind of flat when I was looking after her. But I bonded with her over that kind of thing. And I kind of got really real with her to the point that I was also very emotional. And I was talking to her because I was like, I haven't had this experience. And I was like, if I can't help this girl in some way, then my experience was kind of for nothing. So I kind of closed the curtains and I was like, look, I've been through this. I've been through the exact same thing as you. And she's like, have you really? And I was like, yeah, like I got married and my ex left me for someone else. And she was kind of like, oh, right. And I was like, it's going to really hurt. And I said, you're in the very early stages. And I'm like, it's not easy. You're not going to, it's not going to be an easy process getting through this. But I said to her, I said, like what I said in the other episode, I said, he's taken five years. He's taken five years of your life. Don't let him take any more. Just pick yourself up. In like I said, the best revenge for you is getting your life together and proving that you are a worthy human, that you've got a sick career, that you look after those kids real good. Because her kids were calling her and being like, love you, mom. Like they were being so nice over the phone. And I was like, those kids need you. And I was like, you need to provide a good, stable life for those kids. Because if you're not there, they're going to go down just just as terrible a path as anyone else. Like you need to stay there and you need to be there and they need to be a driving motivation. And we got like very real. She was crying. I was on the verge of crying. No. It was like really nice, but she like really, really, really appreciated it. What a raw um, spill of tea. Yeah, raw, raw spill of tea. Mate. But I just made me think of that from our cheating podcast the other day. Oh, mm. do you know what's okay? Oh, man, my brain went to a different spill of tea. So, okay, go. I mean, yours is raw and deep, man. Yeah. Mine's just fucking hilarious. Like, oh, yeah, go for it. I okay, like we'll, we'll end on a hilarious one. So as we're talking this episode about Pooh Man, you know, uh, we're talking oh, about like, yes. yes, he was he was a crack up, right? And it made me think of this story, which is why I thought I'll bring it up. Mm. So I was traveling, like, I was traveling in Croatia, which is disgusting. I haven't really talked about this for a very long time. I was in, I wasn't Croatia, sorry. I was in Ibiza. Ibiza. What's it called? Ibiza. I used to call it Ibiza. It's Ibiza. Ibiza, yeah. Yeah, my bad. What's well, um, it? I mean, it's, it's confusing. I was confused. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Not Croatia. That was a different story. I was in Ibiza. Anyway. I was at a club with my friend mm. and obviously everyone takes drugs there, right? Mm. I don't take drugs. Mm. So I just had drinks like normal alcohol, like a regular yeah. person, right? Anyway, I lost my friend and I was outside and I was crying and I'd like called, I think I'd called my boyfriend or I'd called my mom or somebody and I was calling them like venting to them. Mm. And I went out to the side of the club and I like sat down because I was like talking <gasps> drunk, right? And I sat down. Yeah, you can see where it's going. Oh no. And I sat down. <laughs> And I was like, oh, what the hell is this? And I was like talking and I just like wiped whatever it was that I sat on, like on my body. And then I realized straight away, the smell hit me so fucking quick. I was like, is this shit? Oh, no. Because you know how we're talking about I've the poo- never heard the story. You haven't heard the story. Because <laughs> we're talking about the poo man, right? And I was saying about like when you smell human poo, like you know, like dog poo and all that stuff. All smells very different, but human oh, poo has a smell. And instantly I was like, oh, my God. Oh my God. And then I kept wiping it because you just want it. And it was so sticky. And I was just like, oh my fucking God. So I am traumatized, right? And I'm thinking, fuck me. I'm in this fucking other country. I've lost my best friend. What the hell do I do? So I'm trying to message her. So then, right, I I tried to get a taxi home. 
to where I was staying. I was at a campground staying in these little chalet things and no taxi would take me because I smell like shit. Eventually I had to pay, I'm not kidding. I had to pay $100 to this taxi. Wow. That would have been like 10 bucks, right? I paid a hundred dollars to get home. They put all the windows down. I'm crying hysterically. And I kept saying, I, I messaged my best friend and I said, Kim, I've sat in shit. I go, I promise it's not my shit. It is not my shit, oh my Kim. Gosh. She didn't know what I was talking about. She How thought, did like, they let you sit in the cab? Like, what did you sit on something? I think they did put something down. Yeah. But, like, I was saying, because it was, like, it wasn't on my bum. That's the thing. I didn't shit. <laughs> so, right. But, like, Kimberly couldn't, she couldn't figure out, like, if I meant shit as in something or, like, you know when you say, like, oh, I talk shit or whatever. Mm. I, I actually meant poo. And so I'm messaging her saying, it's not my shit. It's not my shit. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I can't get home. Like, I promise I didn't poo. And she was like, what the fuck is going on? Anyway, I finally get home. I'm crying. The toilets are closed. I sneak into the toilet drunkenly. I don't I don't know where my body wash is. I'm then crying because I can't find body wash. Oh, I get God. body wash. Then I use my towel. So I body wash my whole body. I like cleaned myself. I use the towel. The towel stunk like poo. My clothes smelled like poo. I'm like traumatized. I'm in my my bed. I'm crying my eyeballs out, right? And then my best friend gets home and she's like, what's happened? I was like, I can't talk about it, right? I was traumatized. Yeah. The next morning, right? She's like, hey, Jess, like, I'm going to go by the pool. Like, do you want to come join me? And I was just like, no. She's like, do you want to talk about it? I was like, no. I eventually joined her in the pool with this, like, I was just horrified. And she's like thinking something horrible happened. Like she thought like that I had sexually assaulted or something. Yeah. She really didn't know what was going on. I'm in the pool with her and I'm sitting there and I go, Kimberly, like last night, I actually like lent down and I smeared human shit all over. <laughs> and she like, and then I realized how funny it was. And now I can talk about it and laugh, wow, but it was uh, fucking traumatizing. And when I, when I talked about that story before about poo man, how, when you smell poo, you fucking know it's poo. Um, yeah. That was all those memories coming wow, back to me. That is yeah. the greatest ability ever. I know. I just, I just thought of it oh my God. on the spot right there. And I knew that I hadn't told you that story yet. What so. a great traveling. We need to do one on like funny traveling stories that have happened to us because I have shut myself in so many different places around Europe. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> See, I shit myself. But you know, I don't actually shit myself. I always make it just just in oh, time. Oh, that's good. But they, they all say that because everyone takes stimulants and like stuff yeah. in Ibiza that you have to poo like all mm. the time. So they just go around the corner and just do a quick dump and then you know, Whoa. because they have to poop so much. And I was like, oh, apparently it's a really common thing that everyone goes to the start of the club to poo. I was like, fuck, I wish I knew that before I went there. Wow. So, well, yeah, we got it. We got it to leave we're, you on. I got to end you on that one. Yummy, yummy. Yummy. All right. We'll tune into another episode next week. Every Friday, remember. Yeah. We're going to be sending you love, life, and laughter always from your gals from Keep Your Gin Up. We love Bye. you guys. Bye.